you take my shirt? No. Okay. Hi, I'm Amy. Hey. I am Katie. And we are Did You Take My, take my shirt? shirt? We are a true crime, spooky stories, mysteries, cults. What else? Paranormal. What else? Yeah. Whatever makes whatever makes your skin crawl. Spooky facts, spooky stories. Yeah, bizarre yeah. stories, mysteries, bizarre. unsolved mysteries. Yeah, and we also will cover theme park stories. Also, not yes. fun stories, stories that you don't want to hear about when it comes <laughs> to things like theme park. Yeah. So. so um, I guess for the format of our podcast, we we have a lot of things we like and hobbies, and we kind of wanted to jam them all into one one thing because we want to share what we love with other people. But yeah. um, you know, it's hard to do because then it would be like all over the place. Oh, it'd be so <laughs> over like people would be like, "What is this?" <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> That's probably what they think when they look at my Instagram. Like, there's no content. It's just, like, nonsense. Um, So we wanted to make it a general target audience. Um, People love theme parks, and people love true crime and mysteries, unsolved mysteries, and anything that kind of makes you wonder. So, um, I mean, so we decided we're going to stick with the true crime main story. Yeah. And then in the beginning, we're going to give you a fun little snippet of like a theme park um, tragedy or yeah. event that occurred um, because we are huge Disney fans. And, you yeah. know, we could have made that the whole podcast, but that, you know, there's only so much you can go off of. And then also like falling in line with like legality of Disney, not making sure Disney doesn't right. sue us for just being like so many people die here. Which, I mean, honestly, there's not, compared to what we have, like, other true crime, like, the numbers aren't that bad. No, but. zero, but (laughs) they're not that bad. They're not that bad, Um, but I think it'll be fun. I think people will really like it, and yeah, we'll have fun doing it, too. And we still, and it gives us an excuse to talk about Disney. Yeah, I mean, if you can't be there, you might as well talk about all the people that have died there. Absolutely. Our mother's <laughs> probably like, oh, gosh, what did I do? She's like, I tried to get you guys to go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we're like, we're doing a Disney podcast. She's like, you know about death. <laughs> Love that for you. Love that for us as a family. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh <laughs> all right so, so go ahead who are you you're katie where who, who am i yeah, oh like... so um we introduced ourselves to the new cop podcast um i'm yeah. katie uh we might if you're only listening we might sound a little bit alike at times but we're two different people some will say that. <laughs> what? Some would say that, but I think we're identical twins. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're more beautiful. You're the pretty identical twin. Yeah, so I live in Oregon. I have lived here for a few years now. I 
enjoy nature as most Oregonians do. Art, painting, crafty themes. I made these earrings today. Her earrings are so cute, you guys. Yeah, if you want some, I'll make you some. (laughs) I love my pug, Jake. He's not here right now. I love playing video games and I have lots of hobbies and uh, not enough time, but I'm excited to include this in one of my new hobbies. That'd be fun. Yeah. We should make a podcast. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Katie is also my younger sister. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess we should explain the name. So, did you take my shirt? I'm sure as most siblings can relate to, especially females, they're always trying to take each other's clothes. Normally, it's like a 50-50 thing, which Katie did a lot of like taking my stuff as like when we were younger. But now I'm like getting back to her and taking a lot of her stuff now. So, but it's just one of those things like a, a ongoing joke in the family we're always taking each other's stuff and whatnot and being like did you take my shirt so let's tell the people where you're at and who you are so um I'm Amy and I live in North Pole Alaska and it's not the North Pole but I like it we we like fishing and being outside and stuff like that Alaska is so beautiful though I mean you're pretty lucky to be there Basically, we just, our hobby is being outside when we can. And what would you say is your favorite part about being in Alaska? The accessibility of going to Homer. Yeah. Homer, Alaska. That's my favorite place. My favorite part of being in Alaska is it's excluded from everything. So, which is really nice. Um, And it's, it's super safe. And it's just, it has a different, the air same, is different. Yeah. Same from all the nieces and mooses. Okay, well, they, <laughs> they might be a problem. Yes, one time my daughter could not leave the school bus because there was a moose in the way and it had oh babies. So she just sat there and she's like, called me on her little gizmo watch. She's like, mommy, I can't leave the bus. And I was like, why? There's a moose. There's a <laughs> moose. And I was like, okay, is the bus driver okay with waiting for you? And she's like, yeah, she said to, to wait here until it moves. I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the last time I was in Alaska, uh, we, well, when I was with you, we found uh, out that Canadian geese were almost extinct. Yeah. And then I don't know why geese and moose like made me think of this, but maybe because I said nieces and it's geeses. Probably, um, but yeah, they were almost extinct. Extinct, and then the wildlife preservation up there, or marine life preservation, yeah, helped Canadian geese from going extinct. That's nuts. It's just like it was like one guy that started the program and then like got them involved, right? Like he yeah. realized, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, every time I see Canadian geese, I'm like, oh, he could have been extinct. You <laughs> <laughs> could have been gone. You could have not been shitting everywhere. And chasing people. Terrorizing poor individuals who don't deserve it. Uh, yeah, for real. 
yeah, so that's a little bit about us, and um, I'm sure you'll get to know us later, like throughout the episode. yeah. We have we have a lot to unpackage, but it would be too much for one episode. I feel like it would be probably pretty overwhelming and very long. <laughs> well, and I'm pretty sure they don't want to hear about all of us today. So no, 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 no. Um, um, we got go first? some stories to talk all about. Right. So we'll start with the theme park. Um, this one is one of the first tragedies tragic deaths in Disneyland it happened just eight days after the or nine days sorry um did my math wrong nine days after the Disneyland opened uh opened its gates everyone's all excited and like Ooh, a new theme park oh, this is so exciting Gad- fun gadgets and rides that no one's ever seen before and um then just nine days later, um, a 18-year-old hostess, first one of her first jobs, probably was so stoked to get a job at the new Disneyland attraction in Anaheim. And, you know, it's all the talk and the hubbub. And, you know, she's probably so stoked to, like, have that opportunity. Um, her name was Deborah Stone. Um, she was working on a shift and was accidentally crushed to death between two walls um, on the carousel of progress. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the carousel of progress now, um, it was at the time called America Scenes. Um, so it wasn't the Carousel of Progress yet, and it was, okay. I don't know if you knew that, but it was a featured cast of auto-automatronic animals that um, entertained the audience by singing songs from various periods in America. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, like so kind decades. of was, yeah, so different decades. So just to give people an idea, the Carousel of Progress is like a ride where it goes through different, like, eras I guess like throughout time and how we progressed as like a society in America yeah um and uh it specifies on just America too like you know it doesn't go beyond like other like cultures and everything but um uh before that it was America scenes which sounds very annoying (laughs) I don't know if I would be able to write that but yeah so Deborah, Deborah Stone her her one of her first you know jobs at Disneyland was crushed to death in the walls of America's scenes which is now Carousel of Progress. Do you know how she was crushed? Uh the walls move so it like goes in a circle so like as it transitions to each like different scene so for this it would be a song the walls move and you go in a circle and she must have had been like standing near the near the like where it, it like transitions and got stuck and then she just got crushed like in between the two revolving walls yeah mm-hmm. yeah so super sad That's I wrote really sad. we well I don't know if you wrote it with us but I wrote the carousel of progress in Disney World for the first time which is basically it's basically the same ride 
Yeah, the last yeah. time we went and uh no, because I was buying that Alice that baby Yoda that she never plays with. Yeah, so um not a ride to really go out on. It's very uh, it's sad. Yeah. I feel bad for Deborah Stone. Yeah. I, and her family. Yeah, her her family. Um but yeah, that's our first that's the Disney tragedy. Wow. Um yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. I'm glad that it was yeah. uh thank you for sharing and you're glad <laughs> you're glad Deborah Stone is gone. <laughs> um, uh thank you. Uh, I'm glad that we started with a Disney story because that's our favorite. Uh yes. Um, but that's not the end. We have two more stories in store for you. Dun, dun, um, dun, dun, dun. Um, so I don't know if you want to go first. Mine is a lengthy um, and a bit sad. So um, um, <laughs> No, that's okay. Mine isn't as uh, like heavy on the heart. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should go first so that we end on a lighter note. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what is your story then? All right. So the first story I have for you today is um, I wanted to do, uh, I just was in Alaska. I went up to visit you in Alaska about, oh, it's two weeks ago now. And um, we had, um, as you'll see on some of our social media, which you can follow us on, um, we, we were in Alaska and we were discussing like what we wanted to put on our podcast uh, as far as stories. And we thought like, wouldn't it be fun to include an Alaskan story um, into the podcast? Um, this individual is not from Alaska, but he did get capped captured or arrest captured arrested in Alaska yeah um so the individual we'll be speaking about today is Israel Keys um I'll kind of start yeah um he was active for quite a while so um I'll kind of start with his early childhood because some of that plays into his behavior later on Um, Israel Keyes was born to Heidi and Jeffrey Keyes in 1978. Um, Keyes was the um, 10th child, uh, oh, second child. (laughs) He was the second, he was a 10th, he was a 10th child of 10 children. He was the second child of 10 children. That's a lot. Um, And on January 7th of 1978 in Cove, Utah. Key's family, uh, what people would say and it would later be stated. Um, as it would later be stated, uh, his family was very, um, I guess, introverted. Um, they didn't really believe in the system and uh, were pretty private people. They wouldn't, they, they said they don't believe in the government, modern medicine, or um, public schools. So um, they sound very uh, private people. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, the reasoning behind those beliefs or behaviors. Right. 
Um, but um, I know. But that's got to be rough with that that many kids. Yeah, with that many kids, I mean, that takes an army to facilitate all your own medicine, schooling, like, um, and result of that, Heidi and John, um, you know, the kids were obviously homeschooled. Uh, It didn't find anything about them practicing their own medicine, um, but all the kids were home birthed. So I'm assuming the mom was a, um, that was well-versed in that area, I'm hoping. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Eventually, his family um, converted. Oh, so they were Mormon. Um, I guess that makes sense. They converted from Mormon to a radical form of fundamentalist Christianity. Um, So uh, I did not, I put that below my notes. Um, (laughs) That would make sense why they have so many kids. Yeah, and you know why they didn't believe in the system. I I was gonna I was starting to say like sometimes certain religions like are super, you know, not they do practice their own medicine and everything, and Mormonism does do that. So yeah, um, they did convert to radical form of fundamentalist Christianity, um, which later Keys describes as a militia like Amish. Um, I don't Ugh. know what that means because Amish people seem like pretty uh, yeah they seem pretty like well versed and you know their their practices are you know important to them and right um, they don't seem too radical like right you know right. they keep to themselves type of thing yeah and um you know it's a militia like Amish seems I want to know what I want to I wish I could like know what he was really talking about or see you know what the family I mean they already sound like they're really strict so I'm it just sounds like they went from strict to like really strict Um, well and if if anyone knows what that actually means let us know yeah Um, yeah that would be interesting to to hear it sounds yeah or learn about yeah um, but yeah it sounds not like a good time uh when Keys was five he his family moved down to Colville Washington uh-huh. Uh, you know, staying on the same beat of being too intense. They lived in tents, too intense. So they lived in tents. Get they it? lived in tents and they were too intense. Yeah, they, they were in tents. They were in For the first seven years, uh, they didn't have any electricity, running water. Um, and during this time, they lived in tents until, you know, while the father was working on building a cabin um, by hand. Um, I don't know how long that took him to make, um, but oh, the seven years. So for the first seven years, it took him seven years. Long to time build to build. Like, how big was the cabin? Uh, he was building it by himself with his hands. Doesn't sound like he had any tools with him. So he's probably using rocks. Um, like fucking away at the trees. <laughs> uh, his wife Heidi, what's taking so long, John? <laughs> do this by up. hand, Heidi. We don't believe in tools here. <laughs> I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's too damn. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that. <laughs> um. The the father was super busy building the cabin, um, usually in the mountains in Colville. Um, 
or yeah, usually in the mountains of Coville to help with money. So he never really was around. Mm, um, nice. When he wasn't doing those two things, he was said to have been spent spending hours praying in the woods, allegedly, um, which left Israel, the father figure of the family, with his siblings. Um, so he had to learn how to do everything a father, father figure would do, hunt, oh, rest the gosh. kids, um, feed his family, uh, you know, tend to their well-beings. Um, I'm sure the mother helped with that, but also it sounds like a lot of responsibility for keys. So it sounds like he had to grow up really fast, which is yeah. um, unfortunate. Yeah. Can you pause it real quick? Jake is in the trash. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it sounded like he had to, he had a, he's had a lot of responsibility as, as a kid. Um, you know, they, they sounds like they lived a very isolated life. Um, they did attend church. Um, their church's family attended, um, it's said to be, uh, have practiced white supremacy and ideology. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Israel wouldn't stick with his religion he was raised on. Um, instead he would start to show interest for Satanism as he got older. Um, mm. so yeah um, one radical to the next um, yeah makes sense so extreme to the extreme um you know his family did end up moving a few more times to Oregon and eventually to an actual Amish community in Maine um during that time you know I'm sure he's got more into his Satanism and his um lifestyle so I'm sure his behavior started to change. Um, yeah. So during that time, you know, he started to, did start to show behaviors um, that were concerning. Um, his family was like, you know, what's going on? Uh, he loved hunting, which you know was normal for them, but he right. um, didn't love hunting in the way of like providing for his family. He wanted uh -huh. to kill everything with a beating heart, as he said. Um, he would break into neighbors' homes to steal guns just so he could kill, which I don't know how many guns he needs to kill. Why? Why? Um, but yeah, super biz bizarre. I mean, the kid sounds like he, I mean, the, the guy sounds like he had a rough childhood. Um, yeah. No excuse for his further actions, but uh, right. I feel like someone could have stopped him from hunting, but it probably was like, you got to do this for the family. Well, they were probably um, like, oh, wow, more food. Great. Thank you. And he's yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I love doing this, <laughs> but not for you guys. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> oh, no. Um, his family did eventually breaking ties with him. I'm sure, you know, it had to do with his behavior, but it was mainly because he's revealed that they no longer say believed in the same faith so um in 1998 to kind of get away from his family he enlisted in the U.S. Army uh I couldn't find anything on what he did do in the army um or the military but he did receive an expert infantry badge um so I'm hmm. going to assume he was an infantry man ah yes um, if it's an yeah. infantry woman, do they call it an infantry woman? 
but actually infantry wasn't allowed uh women weren't allowed in the infantry for what? a very long time i think it was when rick was in infantry and he was getting out is when they finally allowed women to enlist into infantry because it's such a sketchy and horrible job we don't want the women to get hurt they want us to get our hands dirty, just so everyone knows. Rick is Amy's yeah. husband. Yeah, Rick is my husband, and he was an he was an infantry mortarman, so he yeah. was a little branch off of infantry. But yeah, that's uh, it was it was a big deal for women when they were allowed to enlist into infantry. But um, uh, it's uh, it's a rough job. That's crazy. So, yeah, that they didn't. Yeah. Well, good for them for progressing and understanding that women can do any job that, yeah, yeah, that a man does. So that's nuts. We're literally so much better. We're so much superior. We're so much stronger, too. Like, I would love to see a man give birth to a child. (laughs) To a child. (laughs) Anyways. Anyways, off topic. <laughs> off topic. Hayes was reported to be a good soldier, um, but he was Not an excessive drinker. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he was a big time drinker, excessively on the weekends. And guess what his drink of choice was? Oh, I want to know. Uh, wild turkey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that for him. Uh, he was eventually discharged honor, 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 bleh, honorably discharged in 2001. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he served his time there and then left. Um, I'm sure he still kept his wild turkey after he, he left as a comfort for you his know, time spent. Once you um, go, once you go that wild turkey, like that's you know. Uh, yeah. You want to cross pause? So, you know, I don't know if there was anything that stated odd behavior in the army, um, but military, army, uh, what's the correct term for the term? Um, if, if he was in the army, it's army. I mean, you can say army. both. The Marines. Nope, that's not <laughs> it. Just, They're better. I'm just They're, no, no offense to the army, but the Marines are better. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I don't know if what his behavior like was in the army, but um, his violent emotional thoughts and behavior continued from his childhood to his adulthood. Um, So I'm sure he did express odd behavior um, while he served his time in the army. It probably Um, was just brushed off too. Yeah, it's probably just brushed off because, you know, it's stressful, stressful scenarios. Um, But according to Keyes, his first plane attack took place in 1997 um, or it was 1998. I don't think they got a very clear timeline for that. Uh Um, He abducted a girl and sexually assaulted her. Uh, His intent was to murder her. Um, he later admitted, um, and he said, I wasn't violent enough and later made up my mind. I was never going, going to let that happen again. It wasn't violent enough. Yeah. Uh, so his intent Mm. was to harm her further. 
um, didn't happen. And uh, as he stated, he would never let that happen again. He did not. Um, wow. So uh, he's um, coming out of the army. He did have a family. I'll just say that. Um, so after serving in the army, uh, so uh, he moved to uh, in this. I guess like for the timeline, uh, his first attack took place before his uh, his enlist his en enlistment. Before right? he uh, before he went into the army. Yeah, that before his enlistment. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after coming out of the army, uh, he had his wife and uh, he had an infant daughter. Okay. Um, they decided to move to this place called Maka Reservation in Nia Bay, Washington. Um, his wife uh, was a member of the tribe there. Um, okay. He would work for the tribal authority, and it was there that the FBI believes his first murder took place. Um, when, uh, when, yeah, when he was asked if a murder started after his discharge from the army. He's cryptically replied, yeah, Nia Bay's a boring town. Um, just because things are boring doesn't mean you can kill people, <laughs> Keys. <laughs> I mean, most people, like, game or pick up a hobby if you're bored. Like, yeah, like, go for a run or, like, do, like, a puzzle. Like, don't, you're not gonna, he's like, I'm do really drugs. What, the wild turkey's not enough. <laughs> I'm really bored. I think I might murder people on my free time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, but Nia Bay was only the start of his attacks that happened um, all over. He was, uh, Keys would target um, random people all across the United States to avoid detection. Um, he would do months of detailed planning um, and, you know, to avoid detection, uh, and, uh, to cover his finances, uh, he would rob banks and burglarize homes. So as I, what I say, like finance his uh, actions. So like get the supplies that he needed and travel and, you know, that costs money. Like you can't just be traveling all over all the time. No. Um, he specifically, um, went to campgrounds and isolated locations. Um, his planning for attacks were very detailed. Like, um, he even would hide caches of, uh, caches, caches, it's spelled caches, but I want to say caches. caches. Like, like a, when you do a cache, uh, hike. I want it to be like French, caches, caches. caches. Um, he would hide, hide, he would hide caches. <laughs> like little uh, supply drops. Yeah, supply drops, um, yeah, of equipment in these isolated areas. So, um, and campgrounds. So this would help with his detailed planning of murders. He would already have all of his equipment ready. Um, the caches consisted of guns, ammo, chemicals for the destruction of bodies. Um, when he wanted to kill, he would just dig up a cache 
Um, and while on the road, he would also pay in cash and take out his cell phone to lessen his chance of being attacked. Um, he only used guns, so his method, his his way of his whatever his method for killing, uh, he would only use guns um, when he had to, and uh, he really preferred strangulation, as he would state. Um, he liked to see them suffer. Um, Keys made a rule, also made a, he had rules, let's, let's say, you know, we, you, we gotta have boundaries for when it comes to taking people's lives. Apparently. Um, you know, only, you know, you gotta have boundaries. So he made a rule to himself forbidding children or anyone with children because of his daughter, which, you know, I'm really happy no Children you know, were involved. Children were involved, or you know, mothers or fathers of. Well, yeah. well um, I guess if it's if it was planned, you would know if they had children. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, that makes me think. Did he like investigate his victims? Because like, how would he know if they had children or not? Maybe like watching them. Yeah, watching them, think, like yeah. following them home. Um. Yeah, that it just. It bothers me that, you know, he's like, I have to have boundaries for my, my, my murder hobby. You know what your Um, boundary should have been? Not killing people. Not, step one, not killing people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, several of the murders and attacks claimed um, to have been committed by Keyes have yet to be solved and are still being investigated by authorities. Um, Wow. just it's just so sad um i give those families and loved ones who remain without answers my condolences um i can't imagine the heartbreak you have from not knowing what has happened to someone that you've loved um or known um but a few years before his arrest keys would commit two murders that would eventually lead to his arrest um so in the year of 2011, uh, the murders took place in 2011 to 2012. Uh, the first that murder. Was, that uh, was so recent. Uh, yeah, pretty recent, and it really didn't take them. They were pretty close together. Um, so in June of t- 2011, um, what was said, um, and this was like researching this, this tagline was like everywhere um, a force of, e- of pure evil. Um, broke into a uh, Vermont couple's home, Bill and Lorraine Courier. Um, It would begin a night of horrific torture and violence as the couple desperately fought to the end for their lives. And they did desperately fight to the end for their lives. Well, I'm glad that they did that, but it still really sucks that they had to even do that. You know, and anyone like you, you think about yourself in this, you're in the situation, you would hope that that would be, your will would be to fight for yeah. your life. Yeah. Um, it's hard. That's in situations like that. I can't imagine the terror that you go through. So they must have been like really strong people. Yeah. Um, Keyes had flown down from Anchorage to Chicago um, with plans to visit his brother in Maine. Uh, he was living, Keyes was living in Anchorage at the time, uh, okay. Alaska. Um, but after renting a car and heading east, he decided to take a deadly detour. A deadly detour? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
sorry. Wish it was deadly for him. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, As we mask our emotions <laughs> with sarcasm. I like how you just were like deadly. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, Keys came upon the courier's home a little bit after midnight on June of 2000, the day of June of 2011. Um, after walking on foot from his nearby hotel, uh, he cut the couple's phone line, broke into the home's attached garage, and soon made his way into the kitchen in what he called a blitz attack. So it was very quick. Um, it okay. only took a matter of seconds. Wow. He's made his way to the couple's bedroom where he found Lorraine and Bill asleep. Um, the couple, you know, woke up, they saw Keys. Um, he was a, a man dressed in all black, wearing a headlamp, um, armed with a gun. Uh, oh my gosh. You know, t- terrifying. I'm sure they're like, we're going to get robbed. Um, I'm yeah. Sure, you know, um, they're like, what's going on? He tied the couple up with zip ties and quizzed them on details of their home. Um, he wanted to know where their safe was, where they had ATM cards, oh um, whether gosh. or not they had a gun. So, you know, they're probably like, I don't know. I would be like, okay, I'm just getting like, you know, someone's just robbing me. Like, you know, take, take right. it, like take right. the stuff, like leave us alone. Here's my gun. Um, here's my ATM. Here's my money. Here's all of yeah. our jewelry. Take it, leave, Go. take it and leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, he... Then he um, he's took the handgun that Lorraine had kept for protection. So she did have a handgun uh, nice. along with their cell phones. And then he forced the couple to get into their own vehicle because he, he had walked there. He didn't have a vehicle with him. And this was um, in Chicago? Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't. Ver- Vermont? It was in Vermont. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Lower 48. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, he had instructed them to, um, get into their own vehicle where then he drove them to an abandoned home he had scout- scouted out earlier that day. Oh um, so once they were on the, at the abandoned home, Keys tied Bill to a stool in the basement of the abandoned property. Um, and he had left Lorraine back in the car when, Keys returned, he saw Lorraine like making a run for it. She escaped from the front seat and was trying to run to the main room, um, but he tackled her, dragged her into the bedroom of the home, tying her hands and legs to the bed. You know, she really did make a run for it. She, yeah, you know, she, did. she had her chance. And what a defeating, what a defeating feeling I'm, that yeah. must have been. Um, you know, the anxiety of this is my moment. Making yeah. a run for it, um, and I can't imagine how she felt about leaving Bill behind. Um, that must have been terrifying. Um, oh yeah, but you think like if you can get out, yeah, you can help. Uh, yeah, you can help um, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, terrible feeling, I'm sure. Um, Bill started shouting um, when he realized that Keys had brought Lorraine into that. Uh, you know, he was left Bill alone. Um, he's was upstairs with Lorraine and Bill was shouting from the basement, where's my wife? Where's my wife? Oh, honey. Worried, worried about her and where she was. 
Yeah. Um, when Keyes went down to check on Bill, Keyes discovered Bill had also been trying to work himself free and was about part way from um, eventually getting free. Um, yeah. Keyes stated that it really pissed him off. Um, and Keyes would tell investigators during his confession that he did start to lose control when he saw Bill had tried to mess with his plans. Um, and uh, which, you know, with his method of being super organized and detailed, he sounds a little bit OCD. And yeah, um, this messed with his plan. This messed with his, you know, very detailed, malicious plan. And right. he lost control, which before it didn't really sound like he did. This is a spiral to him just losing complete, complete control. Um, yeah. He struck Bill with a shovel repeatedly before taking out a gun and fading and shooting him multiple times. Which isn't um, his MO. It's not his MO. It's so he really, strangulation. Yeah. So he really did spiral. Wow. Yeah. Um, Keys returned to the bedroom where he cut Lorraine's clothes with a knife and sexually assaulted her. Um, during this, Keys strangled Lorraine to the point where she lost consciousness. Uh, she wasn't uh, deceased yet, but he brought her to the basement to see her, her husband's corpse. Um, he sat her down on a bench. He strangled her from behind um, with a rope, um, eventually ending her life. Um, he's doused the bodies with Drano and then tossed them into a corner of the basement, covering them with debris before he left. Uh, he would take the couple's car to a nearby parking lot and um, Bill and Lorraine's Lorraine Courier's bodies would never be recovered. Really? Um, I want to know what Drano does. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> to make it so bodies, their, their bodies were never recovered. He left the bodies in the basement and he just doused them in Drano. I... I want to know what type of Drano he's using because we used Drano recently on our shower and it did not take care of the clog. So, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. What's a brand of Drano you used, sir, <laughs> during the investigation? <laughs> My wife like, is getting real upset about the, <laughs> the shower getting clogged up all the time. The, the instant Drano or the extreme? <laughs> What the? Uh, <laughs> I also wonder how long it took authorities to find their bodies. Yeah, it must have been. I didn't see anything about that. It must have been a while if it they were like completely like vaporized. Right. It it must have been. They must have been very secluded type of. Also, Drano, Drano dissolves bones like i there's just so many questions i don't understand that completely so if you're a bone expert can you please let us know yeah i'm not a bone expert my no. back hurts all the time i don't even know how to fix that so if you I, also i, are I like, strongly do not suggest drano because your brain would your back would probably disintegrate oh for my back drano for my back yeah yeah no, that's probably not a good idea. Maybe no. some like muscle rub or something. Um, 
So that was the murder where, you know, it was the domino effect to the rest of his spiraled behavior. Okay. Um, close to the close to a year um, following the brutal murder of Bill Lorraine, uh, Keyes would commit his final murder, murder. I don't know why I was saying that weird. <laughs> or no, you're, you're more arose. Mordor, that would lead to his arrest <laughs> in February of 2020. Nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> we just lost like four followers. <laughs> oh no, I'm just kidding. Um, All of them. <laughs> in February of 2012, um, 18-year-old Samantha Cohen was abducted at gunpoint in um, by Keys. Um, in Anchorage, Alaska, while she was working a shift at the Common Grounds Espresso Shack. Um, these are like little coffee kiosks that you are like pretty much popped up in the middle of area of nowhere. They're usually in like super sketchy areas or like in places you wouldn't expect. Well, um, yeah, because we don't have a whole lot of coffee chains. Yeah, so, like it's mostly it's- local. It's local and it's so like you get those cheap little sheds from Lowe's or Home Depot and you can get a little license and a little permission from whoever to put it in someone's parking lot or something like that. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's cheap, but it, it simulates our local economy. So yeah, um, it's, it's, and that's those type of coffee huts are like the best coffee so Mm -hmm. um sorry they they are yeah and sometimes they have good food too yeah 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 um keys uh, did approach the coffee kiosk um it was late at night he ordered a drink um in the surveillance footage from that night cohen was seen giving um um sorry cohen two case cohen was seen giving uh keys his order and then immediately she looked shocked um her you could see her body language change um she started to look very concerned um and off-puttish um she goes she basically went from someone who was just serving someone coffee to being very nervous and concerned um her whole like which she he should he must have said something that really like startled her because you know in a customer service setting you have to make sure you're always like uh, upbeat and right. um, professional but um you know it only it's when you know something that's completely concerning that you know she would change her whole demeanor right um keys pulled out a gun eventually demanded money from her um she put her hands in the air and backed away from the kiosk window um at keys requests keys request um she put her hands um, in the air, backed away from the shop window. Um, he eventually got her. He bound her wrists with zip ties and forcibly let her out of the shop. So he was abducting her. Um, oh my gosh! While he was leading Cohen to the car, she tried to break break for it. Um, also, strong-willed um, human being. Uh, yeah. Very unfortunate. She's like, this was my chance. Right. Um, but. Keys quickly caught up to her and tackled her to the ground. Um, he pointed his gun at her and um, told her to be very quiet. 
uh, or <laughs> he did tell her to be quiet because he had very quiet, quiet ammo. Um, Oh, so, gotcha. like a, so like a silencer or something. Yeah, sure. like yeah. He was like, I have a quiet gun. Um, and that he was telling her, don't do anything that would make me want to kill you. Um, so be quiet so I don't yeah. quiet you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Not funny. No. Sorry. After, uh, yeah. Um, he would eventually obtain her cell phone, ATM card. Uh, he took her to a shed. Um, and he took, put, put her in a car. He took her to a shed on his property um, where he did uh, sexually assault her and strangle her to death. Um, it seems a little bit, it seems pretty out of his MO because one, he's doing this in an area that he lives in he I mean he right, travels yeah. to do this um I was thinking about this and um he took it to her he took her to his house um that's so weird yeah but he sexually assaulted her and he did strangle her to death um Keith did keep her body in a shed where it was cold enough to preserve for over a week um this oh, well he yeah. went on a cruise with his family at the time so he left it was cold in, enough in alaska to leave her body in the shed with no extra like no, nothing extra to keep her. yeah um it was cold enough to just leave her in the shed while he went to the bahamas wherever the bahamas the on a cruise with his family um mm. I just hate that fact. That's so <laughs> That is so eerie that he went on vacation after, and was fine with it. And just was fine with it. Um, but after he returned from his trip, he retrieved her body, um, which was kept frozen. Um, I just stated, uh, and he then arranged and groomed. Her body to make it seem like it was still alive. Uh, he sewed her eyes open, sat her up, and took a Polaroid picture of her body um, oh. with the copy of the Anchorage Daily newspaper for that day. Um, Cohen then sent this picture to Cohen. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. I, am, I I feel like more. I just feel like disrespectful for saying <laughs> her name in yeah. replacement of his. That's um, okay. You're doing your best. He's sent his the picture to Cohen's family and uh, requested a sum of thirty thousand um, dollars, which he had requested to put in her account, which he had access to her debit card, right, or her ATM card, um, in hopes for her safe return. Um, the family did what they were oh, asked. Um, you know, uh, they were hoping to get their daughter back. Um, but unfortunately, wouldn't be the case. Um, she was already dead. She was already dead. Um, oh the collection of, um, you can find this photo online. I don't know if, um, if you're like me and like to see like forensic photos and everything, yeah. like just evidence and photos and everything. Um, I didn't look for it intentionally. I just came across it because that's all over the internet and it's very upsetting to see um the uh, the ransom yeah the ransom photo of uh, 
her holding the newspaper while she's still, while she's deceased and her eyes are sewed open. Um, yeah, terrible. Uh, the collection of ransom um, from Cohen's family would play a part in how the investigators eventually tracked his movements. Um, so they would track him through the card. Uh, um, but yeah, so they tracked him through her debit card. Um, he made transactions all over the Southwest where authorities would eventually make his arrest in the parking lot of the Cotton Patch Cafe in Luskin, Texas on March 13th of 2012. Oh, so, whatever. Um, it took, yeah, he just left. It took about a month to catch him. Uh, I want to know what his family thought he was doing at the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so super happy he did get caught. Unfortunate that, you know, his last victim, it was just such a brutal and malicious act of, yeah. you know, seeking money and tricking her family, um, you know, when she was already deceased and they didn't get a safe return for their daughter. But uh, that was... They do you know i'm sure it, they were able to recover the money or or was it already gone do you it know was, uh i'm assuming some of it was gone um yeah i'm sure they they launched some sort of like dispute to right, get right. their funds recharged from their whoever they were banking with yeah like just like how you would like if you were to get your yeah. debit on you could get your money back for, if you that makes want, sense after they launch an investigation um She's but, so pretty. Yeah, she she was, a, she, she was beautiful. She yeah. was young. Um, a lot of her friends and family uh, said she was a wonderful, sweet, loving person. Um, not a hurtful bone in her body. Um, so, but, you know, after a few months following Key's arrest, he took his own life in hopes his daughter wouldn't have to live a life known as a, as a killer's daughter. What a coward. Um, yes, a coward move, um, still selfish and narcissistic. Um, Key's suicide to this day does leave law enforcement with more questions and answers, though, about his um, attacks and murders. Um, oh but, gosh. you know, it is selfish to not give the family answers. Um, he did give some of the, you know, he did give authorities some of the answers that they were wondering, but there's still so much to be known. It said that he killed up to 12 people. So, um, <laughs> you guys hear Jake? Yeah. It's just that. unfortunate um, to lighten the mood. Uh, that's really sad. We're snoring. He had something to say about it. He said, Israel Keys is awful, and I think that someone should work really hard on finding the rest of his <laughs> victims, and I am so sorry to all of the families affected by Israel Keys, and I'm so sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Sign off. Sign off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so sad. 
Yeah. Those um, poor so families. That is my first story for our podcast. Um, it was uh, it was fun to it wasn't fun to know the stories, but it was definitely I kind of already knew about the story, but I didn't know the extent. Same. Yeah. Um. So up here, talking to like friends and stuff like that, we wouldn't we didn't really know the name of the murderer. We always would refer it to the coffee shop killer because oh. that's all we knew it by and yeah. it was that one murder that we would talk about so i i really appreciate like knowing the full extent um because it wasn't just a random act it was way more than that it was way more than that yeah no anyways um so do you want to hear about my story yeah i'm so excited okay so um uh, i was going to do a story in alaska but i stumbled upon this tiktok and ended up going down a deep rabbit hole and tiktok will do that to you tiktok will do that to you and i was like no i have to tell her this story Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm going to tell you about Lake Lanier in Georgia. Yes. uh, Which, uh, we did live in Georgia for a couple years, but I I had no idea about this. Um, Yeah. So, it's 46 miles northeast of Atlanta between Gainesville and Buford. Uh, And um, it's, uh, it's a lake. It has 76 recreational areas, um, including 10 marinas, uh, 40 corp-operated uh, parks and campgrounds, and a few islands inside the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it has 690 miles of shoreline, and it's well known for its aqua blue-colored wa- water and breathtaking scenery. Um, something that I was like, that sounds so cool. Is it has mm-hmm. a water park? That's pretty cool. That is really cool. Like, no one would visit that. It's not like, you know, just filtered water with chlorine. Like, maybe it is. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that would be so cool if, like, you're, you're like, you land in the lake, kind of like at camp and you go to mm-hmm. a way to camp, like that pool and, or that uh, slide and the jump. Big, anyways. So I, I thought that sounded really cool. Um, but before it was a lake, it was something else. And it was actually a couple of towns, small little towns. Um, agricultural, agricultural farmer towns, to be exact. Mm-hmm. And um, when was this around again? Like uh, that year? So um, it was in the early 1900s. Okay. Yeah. So um, one thing that I did find a bit bizarre was that I could, it said a few towns, like the research that I, I looked up, but I couldn't find any other names for the other towns besides one, which was the largest one, and that was Oscarville. Yeah. Um, but the farmers of these towns were well known as 
or were known, sorry, as real life superheroes because they fought off a bull weevil infestation um, that mm. lasted quite a long time. It was between 1915 to the 1990s. What is bull weevils? Bull weevils. Bull weevil. 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 W e e v i l. What do they do? I'm not sure, but they would like. Uh, infest the crops so that they were like no good and hmm. uh, weird like torment the, the livestock wonder, and whatnot yeah I wonder what they look like I actually didn't look up that's oh. okay <laughs> I'm just curious I know me too oh they're like little insects Oh, I imagine like a beaver for some reason. I was imagining like a little tiny mouse. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know why I went with beaver. Bull weaver? Beaver? Believer? Believer? <laughs> so there are like tiny little insect mm. things that would just eat everybody's crops and uh, cotton and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, um, so anyways, they you, they were, you know, they fought off that, that infestation. Um, so they're kind of like real life superheroes. Um, mm -hmm. they, that, those towns also survived the Great Depression. Ooh. And they made a really great seller decision, um, seller decisions. One of them was replacing the cotton that they grew with chickens to replenish the soil used um, by the chicken so um that which helped them recuperate the cost of getting rid of the bull weevil infestation so um I, I don't know i just thought it was really cool that they they thought of that to to switch over what they produced yeah um because not only did it bring in money for them but it also uh allowed the land to flourish they were innovative. Yeah, they were. And uh, the way that it was described, the land, after they switched the chickens, was it reminded me of Valdez, Alaska. Yeah. Uh, there was rabbits and squirrels, like, everywhere, and they would just, like, scamper along the, the, the ground, which I just thought was really cool. Huh. So, um, but in the farms, were, they were passed down from generation to generation. Um and, you know, you can't put a price tag on something like that. No. You can't ask, you know. That's history. That's that, it's history. Yeah. So, but because the town's status was farming lands or a farming town, it made it really easy for Atlanta to claim the land with the mayor of, of uh, Oscarville's help, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. So... Um, in 1947, the Industrial Bureau met with the Chamber of Commerce uh, of Derville, and they got permission to start building a dam on the Chattahoochee to build this lake, which is like, damn. Yeah. Um, and Elena's uh, reasoning behind this was because it would strengthen the commerce. Um, and provide resources to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, that's it meant something had to be done with 
all those families that lived in Oscarville, all the residents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so all but five Oops. residents had their land seized by the government. Uh, and it took $1 billion in four years to complete the, the dam on the Chattahoochee River. Yeah. And, and the town was filled in by the water in 1959. What happened to the people? Uh, they had to move. So all but five uh, were seized, and I'm the the other five families that they couldn't seize the land. Like they were forced out. Like, oh, you can leave or you can drown, basically. That's so, messed up. Yeah. So when you're like your land was seized, like you have no choice but to leave. So you had time, but these other families were like, we're standing our ground. Like, okay, or you can drown. You and they can. chose to drown. Uh, I don't have any information on that, but they probably did. They could have. I mean, they they threatened the drowning, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it the town was filled in by the the river in 1959. Mm -hmm. um, this year, Alaska was purchased by the United States. Wow. For how many dollars? Remember, we, we looked this up. Oh, we looked that up. What was I think it like? I think it was like $3 million or, yeah. It Ooh. was such a short, it was such a small amount. I think it was only a million dollars. $7.2 million. Oh, that's a little bit more than a million. But. That's still not a lot. Compared no. to, I mean, that's pocket change for Jeffrey Bezos. You so. just went to, yeah. <laughs> so, um, however, it, it says 1959 that I read a couple articles. Most of them said 1959, but there were a few that said 1956. So I'm not mm -hmm. entirely sure, but maybe that was like, the time that it really started to fill in and become a lake and it finished in 1959. Yeah. Uh, so, but regardless, uh, this caused a lot of anger and resentment because nearly mm -hmm. 700 uh, families were misplaced. Which That's a lot of misplaced families. Yeah. They had to find somewhere else to move and live and find jobs and stuff. Um, so 700 families mean there was a cemetery or two around the town. Mm -hmm. um, it's not officially recorded, but I read that there was more like 20 cemeteries. Um, that's a lot of cemeteries. That's a lot yeah. of disturbed ghosts. That's a lot of just, and you know, the cemeteries could be a, like, they're not huge cemeteries. They could be smaller. Yeah, um, that's still a lot of disturbed bodies and there's, that's spirits. A lot yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of the graves were moved before the land was filled with water. Um, but there were quite a few that were unmarked or were unclaimed. Mm -hmm. So they were not moved higher ground before they filled it in with water. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I can't imagine, like, 
like all of you come back like years later like to see your grandma and you're like where is she and they're like underwater sorry yeah you didn't you didn't claim her so (laughs) it's really sad so um so some bizarre behavior that happened since 1959 yeah uh, on lake lanier which is a very popular lake a lot of people like millions of people go there to, to vacation during the year um there's been over, uh, five, oh, sorry, it's 10 million people that visit a year. Um, but there's been over 500 deaths since 1959. Holy crap. That's a lot of deaths for yeah. one uh, one little lake. Uh, so that means that... Uh, That means that dang it, 500. That means that there's at least eight deaths a year. That's at least. Way too many. That's way too many. So there's been over 500 deaths since 1959. Um, and they have over 10 million visitors a year. But uh, 500 like deaths. Like people swimming in it? swimming and boating and any water activity but 500 deaths since 1959 means that's at least eight people a year yeah um but 200 since 1994 and uh they they can't always give a reason why these people died um but there are hundreds of rumors about it being haunted Mm, all the cemeteries yeah all the cemeteries. Uh, sorry, I lost my camera. So, drowning in motor vessels are usually the causes of these deaths, but one explanation is that the high number can be found below the surface. Um, debris and rubble from the early constructions contributes to a lot of these deaths um, and typical like accessories like lawn chairs, umbrellas, fishing equipment yeah. um, can be found underwater obstacles for the rescues to be successful. So sometimes like those things get in the way, like wa- uh, lake accessories on top of debris and rubble, like they just get in the way of finding these people. Yeah. Um, but something that I found a little strange was that most of these deaths actually happen close to shore and in calm waters. Uh, yeah, that seems a little suspicious. Yeah. Um, so there's two legends that I found um, pretty interesting. Um, many blame the fa- this famous ghost story, which is uh, Lady of the Lake. Lady of the Lake. Lady of the Lake. Um, so in 1958, Del- Del- Delia? Delia? Delia. Delia, May Parker Young, and Susie Roberts were two friends and they left to dance. Um, they got gas and skid off and ended up skidding off a bridge while crossing the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they disappear. A year later, while fishing, uh, a gentleman found what? They just disappeared. They just disappeared into the lake. Like their their vehicle was like crossing the bridge, and they skid off the bridge into the lake. I don't know if there's guardrails. I'm assuming it was 1958. There should have been guardrails. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Maybe there wasn't because it was 1958. So there's like a, a there should have been guardrails. It was 1958, but also it was 1958, and everyone thought everything was safe. So, yeah. um, yeah. So they just get off, and they were they just disappeared. No one could find them. Um, a year later, while fishing, a gentleman found a decomposed body. Uh, floating near one of the bridges, hmm. and um, he, and then three years, three decades later, in 1990, the three officials three decades uh, uh, officials discovered a 1950s Ford sedan with uh, Susie's remains in it, like her belongings. Sorry, not remains. Um, remains. Her body. Belo- they found like things that belonged to her, like her wallet, belongings, her, yeah. yeah, her belongings. Um, so they put together that the body that was found the year after in 1959 and her friend's belongings, they put it together that like the 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 stuff and that body belonged to these two girls. Yeah, Delia has been known to be. Spotted wearing a blue dress, wandering near the bridge with her her handless arms. Um, yeah, and they say that she would. Uh, they say she would snatch up unsuspected visitors and drag them down to the bottom of the lake, which fits quite a few acts. You know, drowning accidents because like the person will be fine, like swimming, and then all of a sudden just drown. That's a lot like the blind man. In her show, they call her that ghost that's in a lake, the lady of the lake, and she drags people to the lake to drown. Well, lady of the lake is that the name of this this legend. Yeah, so I'm guessing they probably got that story or that part of the story from this. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know. Is that on? It's on Netflix. It's, on it's Netflix? a yeah. It's like a horror series. What is it called? Bly Manor. Oh, it's the haunting of Bly Manor. So you're partially correct. Yeah. So she would uh, drag them down to the bottom of the lake, which fit quite a oh, few so accidents. Yeah. yeah. So there's dozens of stories about boats capsizing after colliding with something in the water, but after the water source worked, they're like, there's nothing in the water for this boat to collide with. Yeah. Um, and where am I? But there is also reports of like rogue waves that are so dangerous that it can capsize a boat and, and disappear. Yeah. And which normally waves are caused by wind, by other motorboats. It's just, it's bizarre to think about like the wave just showing up and taking you out. Taking yeah. you out. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, but I remember like, once I was boating with our parents and um, and our Aunt Mary, and it was on Trinity or Whiskeytown or Shasta, 
this boat was in front of us and it was like and making these huge wakes and we're like what is going on yeah and then all of a sudden like there was our boat was full of water like and like I remember like vaguely remember like trying to remove the water with buckets but then my our dad like just kept driving and then all of a sudden like the boat just kind of like pushed the water out with its little emergency water spout and then just kind of got afloat again yeah I don't know such a bizarre story we knew the cause of it was those people that was causing those huge wakes but but can you imagine waves so big that it capsizes your boat like that's that's huge yeah it it had to have been really big I know that these people were like they're being jerks but yeah and I know like there's I know we were like trying to rush home because there was a storm coming in but I know that like I know for a fact there was no storm yet so um maybe there was like wind that helped with the waves getting that big I can't remember that though. I don't know it's not super windy down there in California no it's not right anyways so um, another local story of Lake Lanier with the, a legend behind it was there's numerous sightings of a figure on a raft. Mm. And they would use a pole or a stick to move along the lake that was lit by a lantern. Yeah. So those that have seen this figure say it appears and disappears without any reasoning. Um, And one specific sighting was reported by two fishermen. And they said that uh, they spotted it around 1 a.m. during fall while they were fishing. And um, the depth of the lake was 45 feet deep. Um, Yet when they saw this rafter, it was using this stick to like push along the bottom of the water. So it's the bottom of the like to like move them along and there's no stick that you're gonna find like that that's 45 feet at least but it has to be at least 45 feet or long yeah 45 feet long so they said that didn't make sense and um they watched the figure leon sorry he just stepped on my keyboard and i wasn't he moved everything along or So where am I? Um, so then all of a sudden, so they see this guy or this this figure pushing the themselves along the, the lake with a raft. And then all of a sudden they see this figure shouting and jumping. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it jumps into the ice cold water because it's fall time. So it's super cold. And these guys were like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So they like start packing up and reeling their stuff in and to like get out of there because they thought that something was going to happen to them. And they then they like shine the light along the water surface and there was like nothing there. The water didn't look disturbed, like someone just jumped in or anything. And there was no sign of the raft or the person. Yeah. So those that believe in this legend says it's an echo of the past when mm-hmm. men used to travel the shallow, shallow rivers and creeks mm-hmm. that's now been consumed by Lake Lanier. Oh, that's so spooky. 
about more recent things that's happened. In 2017, a diver in lake in the lake for the lake, Buchanan said, um, "Sometimes I can feel bodies in the lake. You reach out in the dark and you feel an arm or a leg, and it doesn't move." Yeah. He also said, uh, "Nobody has been able to lay these bodies to rest. Lay them the bodies to rest. There are they are on the bottom of Lake Mirror." Hopefully you find them before they find you. From 2015 to 2018, the lake saw 43 lake-related deaths and 128 boating accidents, which that's more than one death a month and more than three and a half accidents. Yeah. Which is, there should be none. There should be none. Um, There should be none. They just need to drain the lake. (laughs) They need to drain the lake and just start over. So during yeah. my research, something that I did notice was a lot of these accidents happen between May and June. Interesting. Yeah. So the in haunting, May, the haunting hours. The haunting hours. Yeah. No. No, thank you. Haunting so in, season. On <laughs> May of 2020, a 33-foot boat that was navigating the waters. Uh, I'm guessing they were lost or their engine failed they were looking for help it wasn't working and they were hit by another 36 foot boat which how do you miss that's a long boat how how are you missing that like you i don't know how do you accidentally hit another boat like that unless they couldn't see it it was that the ghost made it invisible or yeah or super foggy or something. <laughs> I don't know how ghosts do their stuff. <laughs> so in June of 2020, last year, a boat in a pontoon, a pontoon boat crashed, uh, took the life of a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old. Oh my God, that's so sad. Uh, the nine-year-old, it, it, their life was taken, but the 13-year-old went missing. Also in May of 2020, they recovered a body of a 23-year-old who had jumped from the pontoon boat and found until the following day. That's so many people. That's like, <sighs> I know. So and then I'd be like, hey, like, don't go to the lake. Don't go like... to the lake. And people are just like, come here. Eh, fine. What happened? I've gone to the lake today. <laughs> Murdered. Yeah. Someone just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So another boat that had exploded caused injuries to uh, four adults and two teenagers. And it was reported that it was it, it exploded when they were refueling the boat at the deck. Which is wow. Like yeah, you get gas happen? all the time. How does that happen? Yeah. So in May of 2019, there was a boat crash and two bodies went missing. One was eventually recovered. 59-year-old Razish. I'm probably saying that wrong. P-R-A-Z-I-C-H. But the other one is still missing to this day. Also in May of 2019, during the weekend of, of the 29th, two separate men drowned. And a lot of people say that alcohol is a big factor in these types of drownings. But in yeah. these two men's stories, alcohol was not a factor as to why they drowned. It makes you uh, think what other other stories that they stated alcohol was a factor and it actually wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
they probably don't state like what percentage like you know well it's an easy thing to mark up you know like oh it's alcohol yeah oh they yeah. drink a beer oh it's alcohol like yeah that doesn't cause someone to drown all the time mm-hmm. every single time i should say in june of 2019 Corey brown he was 28 years old and he was on a pontoon boat with his friends and him and the four other people jumped into the lake without life jackets to help a friend that was struggling in the water and instead they also needed help because of how rough the the waters were so Mm -hmm. um another boat nearby and the department of national uh natural resources rescued his friends but Corey was never rescued Mm -hmm. uh, or resurfaced they ended up recovering his body three days later and it's really sad because his fiance said that he was a great swimmer and maybe he was just tired from playing out in the sun all day. But yeah. there was no like reason for him to drown. He was, oh, you know, so he was he was a fighter type of Yeah. But Corey was the eighth death so far in 2019. And oh. that was in June. So we're not it's insane. There are so many stories that I wanted to cover, but I have two more that I want to tell you from 2021. So um, I thought these two were very interesting because the stories aren't related, but the two families ended up getting together and hiring a private diving team to help them recover these two men that went missing and I really hope that they get the, the results that they're looking for. So um, one is 56-year-old Zai Zhu, X-I, and then his last name is Z-H-U. Um, he went missing at the end of May of 2021. That's so recent. Yeah, it is. He was attempting to grab an oar that had left that rack that he was on. Uh, he just went missing and they haven't been able to find him that's all the information that I have about him that his family's pretty private yeah I'm sure it's still being investigated too oh yeah it's it's an ongoing investigation at this moment but Duran Princeton he was 24 and he drowned on April 18th he was on a rented pontoon boat with three other people and he jumped in the water and he, he had never, he hasn't been seen since. His parents, Alicia, yeah. And he was also a professional basketball player. I don't know if it was for a basketball player here in the United States or if it was overseas. But he, his parents, Alicia and Johnny, live in Southern Carolina. They quit their jobs to move into a hotel close by to where the diving team that they hired and they had like little money. So they, you know, raised money online to hire this, this private diving team, which they partnered up with the other family that I mentioned, but his mom does say, or did say, I know his spirit, his soul is with God. I know that he loved the Lord, but just for me to be able to, just touch his face and have that one last look at him. And I can't get that if he's not found. 
I can't get that without the extra help. And I know the divers can't guarantee me anything, but just to know that I have a fresh eyes looking for him is crucial now, she said. Mm. So that, yeah, it's really sad. It's, and very mystery and like, I don't know, involving that lake, it's scary. It is very scary and it, it makes you wonder like, how is this still? How are people still going in there? That's what like makes me like wonder how are so people going into that lake? I guess people are just so like oblivious. Or confident that nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah. But I don't understand. Like, I know that death happens every single day. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to try and avoid a, you know, a mysterious like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly that is my story that was a good one here. that's yeah. not even all the stories that's crazy yeah that's not all the stories that's just uh some bits that I found so well thank you for sharing that that was like I'm sure that was kind of like stressful or like hard to research all those like details to this lake specifically yeah it it was um very eye-opening and makes me very more paranoid to go to the lake now so (laughs) just don't go to Lake Lanier (laughs) yeah exactly we're gonna wrap this up please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram did you take my shirt podcast is the name of Facebook Instagram is D-Y-T-M-S podcast and same with Twitter it's D-Y-T-M-S PMS podcast. Um, and if you want to become a Patreon donor, please check us out. The link is on our Facebook, www.patreon.com forward slash Did You Take My Shirt. Please stay tuned for next episode. Stay safe. Thanks. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye now. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.